the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, May the 3rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1765, the first school of medicine in the American colonies was created, called the Medical School of the College of Philadelphia. It's now called the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, founded today in 1765. Today in 1802, Washington, D.C. was incorporated as a city. Now they want to make it a state. The left does because that will ensure them two more senators, far left senators. Today in 1937, Margaret Mitchell won the Pulitzer Prize for her novel Gone with the Wind. Today in 1979, Conservative Party leader Margaret Thatcher was chosen to become Britain's first female prime minister. The Tories ousted the Labour government in the parliamentary elections there. Margaret Thatcher was very quotable. She said a lot of things that make sense. She and Ronald Reagan, as you probably know, were very close friends. They shared the same philosophy. One of the things that she said that probably cannot be quoted enough, (laughs) Margaret Thatcher said the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. So true. Today in 1984, conservative or um, Michael Dell founded the Dell Computer uh, Corporation. He was a student at the University of Texas in Austin. Today in 1999, 70 tornadoes, at least 70, roared across Oklahoma and Kansas, killed 46 people, injured several hundred. They never knew for sure how many. Today in 2006, a federal jury in Alexandria, Virginia, rejected the death penalty for al-Qaeda conspirator Zacharias Massawi. Remember him? They decided he should spend life in prison for his role in 9-11, but should not be put to death. As he was led from the courtroom, Massawi turned and taunted the judge, the lawyers, and the people in the courtroom. He yelled at them and said, America, you lost. America, you lost. Well, that may be his opinion, but it's not the opinion of everyone, thankfully. But of course, there are those among us who are working to that end. Marcus Cicero was a Roman orator. He was a lawyer, a politician, and a philosopher. St. Augustine says that Cicero, at the end of his life, Cicero turned toward a new kind of philosophy. Smart guy. I read, I've read. i read tons of what he wrote, and many of you have too as well, I, I would imagine. He's often quoted. I'm going to quote him in a moment. But St. Augustine said he was more than just the orator, lawyer, politician, and philosopher. In the end of his life, he was murdered. But near the end of his life, he began to realize that he needed to change his sinful life. 
and he adopted a philosophy that was not unlike his conservative views, but a philosophy that included God, Almighty God, the creator of all things, the biblical God. And in the end, St. Augustine claimed that he accepted God personally and a relationship with God, the God of the Bible. That's significant, but we can't prove it. I think I'm going to go with St. Augustine more than I'm going to go with the atheists who deny it, because that exhortation to philosophy text that was the last text that he wrote has been lost. Some say mysteriously lost. Who knows what happens? But one of the things that Cicero wrote, he said, A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he's known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst us, those within the gate, freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims. He wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. We try to, every day on this program, keep you alert, updated, and aware of what's happening in our world. Because the people that Cicero described are not only, we're not only active in the Roman Empire, in the Roman Republic, there are such people who are active in our own nation today, including our own communities. If we don't look at what's happening in our world today, we can get very, very concerned, distressed, afraid, fearful, anxiety-ridden, and whatever other kinds of emotions we can think of, because we live in a very changing, a very upside-down world. I got this message along with a contribution that he had made online. It was, I think it was yesterday. I read it. He says, he filled out the form. You fill out a little form and you make a contribution to our ministry online. Just informational. But he says he's, he's a truck driver from uh, Tucson, Arizona. He gave a contribution to the ministry and he wrote this message. He said, thank you so very much for standing up for truth and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hunger for truth. My heart aches daily watching evil portrayed as good and good portrayed as evil. Look up, for our redemption draws near. But we must keep up the good fight till our Lord Jesus returns. Mr. Randall, here is my financial contribution to help keep you up and fighting the good fight, preaching daily truth and righteousness. Thank you, sir, and may God strengthen you and bless you every day. Thank you. I hope you're listening today. I suspect you might be. Thank you so much. And to all of you who support this ministry, thank you. From my heart, I thank you. Because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. And we're here today. Thanks for your support. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 
98009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. If you're a new listener, maybe you have been listening in the past, maybe you are now, maybe you agree with what we're saying or at least partially agree with what we're saying, hopefully more than partial, but if you think this is worthwhile, consider becoming one of the supporters of this ministry. We need you, and you need to be a part of this because I believe that God is using what we're doing to expand his kingdom. In fact, people have contacted me as a result of this program and told me that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And thousands of people over the last few years have contacted me and said, thank you for keeping us aware. Thank you for keeping us updated. That's what we try to do, and all from a biblical perspective. So consider becoming one of our supporters adjoining us. May Day has meant many things to many people over the years. Most American holidays, not all, but many of them are rooted in something very different than what they represent nowadays. Usually you can trace most anything, be it a a Christmas wreath or whatever, back to some kind of Eastern or Western mysticism or worse. That's true with May Day. It's also been a big day for the communists <laughs> and for the ne'er-do-wells toward capitalism. But one thing that it does not mean in today's America is little children dancing around a maypole or celebrating the coming of spring by picking a few flowers, maybe hanging flowers in a may basket on someone's door. In my lifetime, people have done that. And man, I'm just over 40 a ways. <laughs> no. Things change. May Day today is more representative of a guy, a senior radio officer. His name is Frederick Mock- Mockford. Probably never heard of him, but I can guarantee you, you heard of what he came up with, his idea. Mockford, Mockford came up with the idea that we need a international distress call. And so he suggested in 1923 that we use the word May Day, not as in May Day, (laughs) May 1, but like May Day. I'll tell you why and how he came up with that name in just a moment. On Saturday, (laughs) May Day, a riot in Portland, Oregon, upstaged the mere ideas of communism and the far-left ideologues like Karl Marx and those guys, and our current present-day ones, once again, they showed that America knows what violence looks like. Not to be outdone, Seattle's May Day riot assaulted cops, even assaulted a small child on Saturday. The spirit of lawlessness continues in our country, and I want to talk to you a little bit about, about what happened over the weekend, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the spirit of lawlessness. Interestingly, as I said, May Day has got its start as an international distress call back in 1923. It was made official in 1948, but this Frederick Mockford guy, he was a senior radio officer at Croydon Airport in London. He came up with the idea for May Day because he said it sounded a lot like a French word, mater, which means help me. (laughs) So when you hear May Day, it means something close to that word in French, help me. 
Saturday was May Day. Help me all over again. Instead of people visiting friends, leaving baskets on the front porch or whatever, no, 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 young adults hit the streets with authorities calling May Day, May Day. A riot in Portland took place Saturday and again last night with rioters marching to City Hall where they began spray-painting their messages on the building, breaking windows, destroying, burning. Their messages are generally the same. I don't need to quote them. You know what they are. Down with everything and everybody except me (laughs) or us. Antifa was promoting direct action was the kind of the buzzword over the weekend. When police tried to arrest a man at the ICE building, the scene became more dangerous when the guy drew a knife and he started to move toward the officers as they approached to arrest him. One man was caught carrying a sledgehammer, a slingshot, and he had a whole packet of instructions on how to make a slingshot. I guess he thought he was David going up against Goliath or something. I don't know. One man was carrying this, was carrying another, like a claw hammer with the long claws, you know, like for pulling nails in his hand. These guys, I mean, this gun violence that we keep hearing about, I didn't see any guns in any of the news I looked at in Portland or Seattle. I'm sure there were, other than the police. But this gun violence thing they keep talking about isn't gun violence, it's just violence. And people will use whatever is handy. You take away their guns, you better take away their hammers. And by all means, you better take away their slingshots. Portland Police Chief Chuck Lovell, he made a statement Saturday night, late, he said, we appreciate those who are engaged in their First Amendment rights this afternoon in a peaceful manner. Once again, under the cover of darkness, he said, people decided to damage and destroy multiple businesses. In Seattle, it was the same thing. Seattle police declared the Antifa-dominated protest to be a riot after marchers assaulted cops. Then they turned on a little child. Antifa began demonstrating in Cal Anderson Park, that's near Capitol Hill, where Chaz was born this summer. Saturday night, protests became violent. Antifa began throwing flares and bottles and eggs and paint and a bag filled with an unidentified liquid. <laughs> Let's don't stop and think about what might what that unidentified liquid might have been in the bag. Let's skip over that part. You can imagine. Independent journalist Katie Davis Court, she was there. She tweeted a video showing police following the marchers, saying someone in the crowd had assaulted a small child a few minutes later, or a few minutes earlier. The Seattle Police Department didn't name anyone initially, but they announced that they had arrested 14 people. Local news generally comes on the air in the evening, whether it's Portland, Seattle, Baltimore, it doesn't matter where it is. But if you watch these local guys, they always come on the air and they say mostly peaceful protest occurred. <laughs> no, it isn't mostly peaceful. There may be people there that are peaceful. I'm not suggesting otherwise. I know there are. But these protests are not mostly peaceful, and that should not be the first descriptive that they put out there. But they do it because they're trying to control what you believe about what's going on. They're not peaceful. They're horrible. They're destructive. They're violent. The peaceful people in the protests, let's get real. They may not be violent, but they're certainly misled. These peaceful protest marchers are in the minds of the reporters. 
not in the real world. The peaceful people have in great part been deceived by Black Lives Matter. The organization, in particular the two founders, the BLM two founders have openly said they're both Marxist trained. I mean, that's not like me finding that out. They, they say that. They're also pretty good at raising money. $90 million last year for BLM. I guess that's what prompted one of the founders to buy three or four new homes all over the place. Big, so one of them looked like a mansion. It's great. I mean, why not? Black Lives Matter. But what drives Antifa? What drives others like them? Do they feel that strongly about remaking America? Do they hate America that much? Are they the person that Cicero was describing within the gates of the city of Rome, in his case? They do hate. And they hate America as it is. There's no question about that. They're very open about it. But there's also a spirit of lawlessness that's at work in these near nightly episodes. It doesn't have it really anything to do with me. It just happened to be this weekend. These episodes are driven not by an event, not even by a philosophy. It's driven by an emotion. It's hate. It's rebellion. It's a spirit of lawlessness. It seems like it's almost a mystery. You think, what drives these people? What energizes these people to run the streets? They always hit Starbucks, and there's not a company that's been more compliant to their ideology, these left-wing guys, than Starbucks, for goodness sakes. But they break their windows every time they go by a Starbucks. I don't know why. I mean, it's not my problem, but it's interesting. I've observed that. Paul observed, he observed the mystery of this kind of lawlessness, and he called it the mystery of iniquity in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. He said, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. The Greek word that Paul used in that text as iniquity also means lawlessness, which is acting without laws as, or as though they didn't exist, and or restraint, without restraint. My friend, the late David Wilkerson, he was taken in a car accident a few years ago, as you probably know. He and I became pretty good friends over time. I liked him a lot. He said a lot. He changed a lot of lives. But David Wilkerson said, this lawlessness is not simply a rebellion against the rule of man. It's not just about rebelling against civil authority or committing a violent crime. It's an outright rejection of the truth that is in Christ, a casting aside of God's holy word and his commands. That's very true. Jesus said that deception will be rampant in the last days, that even the elect would be deceived if, if possible, if it were possible, in Matthew 24, 24. Five times John mentions the term Antichrist. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, 22 chapter 4, verse 3, 2 John, chapter 1, verse 7. He talked about it a lot. He had a real, almost a preoccupation, John, the apostle, with the Antichrist. But while the Antichrist will be a real person, according to biblical prophecy, the Antichrist spirit is with us today, according to John. He said, he said the spirit is at work among us now. And this spirit of Antichrist is what is driving this mayhem in our culture today. The influence is seen in false religions, government, 
education, literature, entertainment, all of it. The institutions of America have been infiltrated by this spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of lawlessness. Sometimes we are politic, and I, it's not a political issue. I mean, it, it is everything ultimately becomes political. It either becomes political or we square off like third world countries and shoot at each other. How far are we from that, I wonder, when you watch what's happening in right here in the Northwest and elsewhere across the country every night almost. It doesn't matter whether it's Christmas or May Day. I mean, whatever. They're out there. They're doing what they do. They're breaking. They're burning. The, the mayors now are starting to get serious about it. Jenny Durkin isn't going to run for mayor or whatever she's done, she said. Ted Wheeler in Portland, he's a wimp. I mean, really, he is. I knew his father. His father was not his son, I can tell you. But these guys stand and they wring their hands and they go, you know, they, they laugh at first, as Jenny Durkin did. She goes, summer of love. Uh, summer, I, not really, Jenny, not really. But they look at it from a political point of view, and many of them, these, I would assume, I don't know, that they, they're not Christians. I don't think they are. They don't profess to be. And they're certainly not looking at things through a biblical worldview. And that, in and of itself, is a real problem in today's world because it's hard to understand what's going on in our culture if our leaders are only looking at things from a political perspective. And you say, well, Gary, I mean, politicians, I mean, that. what does that have to do with spirituality? It has everything to do with spirituality. Everything. Our founders looked at the founding of America. They looked at their disassociation, their declaration of independence from England to this new world from a spiritual perspective. Oh, I know that's been toned down. It's been inverted. As the truck driver said in his message to me, he said, good is made to be evil and evil is made to be good or called good. That's the world we live in. That's what's going on in our nation today. That's what's going on in your neighborhood today. It isn't somewhere else. It's where you are. That's endemic in our in our society, in our culture today. The spirit of Antichrist is what's driving this mayhem, this mayday, mayday. The influence is seen in all the institutions. Paul called the Antichrist the lawless, lawless one. Uh, he did it twice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. If you read it in the New King James Version, he, he calls it calls this spirit the lawless one. And this lawless spirit drives the anarchy that we see erupting in our culture today. Nowhere more than here in the Northwest, but not only here in the Northwest. The spirit of Antichrist fosters crime and rioting and looting and violence and rebellion it's rebellion against authority, and authority is something that God has put in place. Romans chapter 13 talks about that. I don't have time to get in deeply into all of this stuff, but you know that, I'm sure. If you don't, you should. Romans talks about government and how God puts it in place. It's, it's not purely a political thing. It's more than that. And they often don't even know what they're writing about. I see once in a while a reporter will do something, you know, like reporting, and they'll walk up to one of these guys on the street who are out there, you know, in the case in Seattle, assaulting a child, whatever they do. I mean, they're always burning and breaking and throwing and 
I mean, they're so emboldened, they know nothing, there's not going to really be any consequences. They are lawless. And they have decided to ignore the laws that exist. And if they ignore them, they don't exist. That's in today's relativistic world. But you see these people, and someone walks up to them and say, well, what is your message today? They don't even know a lot of times. They don't even have a message. We're defund police, burn down City Hall, or or whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't know what they're doing. They're caught up in this spirit of lawlessness. That's what Paul was talking about. We see that erupting in our culture today. The spirit of Antichrist fosters all these things that's going on out there, the crime, the looting, the rioting, the violence, the rebellion. A little kid gets in the way, knock him down. We don't care. The police get in the way. They can't do anything. They're hamstrung by far-left politicians that run the cities. Get out of the way, cop. We're going to burn this building. I mean, that's the attitude. As I said, they don't know why they're rioting. If someone pins them down, they'll say, we're rioting for justice. (laughs) We're rioting for equality or whatever. Those are hollow answers because these people are hollow men and women. What's happening in our streets regularly is not about equality. It's not about equity. It's not about social justice. It's not about racial reconciliation, for goodness sakes. Don't tell me that. It's not about fairness or any of the rest of their slogans. It's about rebellion against God himself and the passion to become God, replacing God of the Bible with a humanistic reflection of ourselves. No, I'm not overstating. That is what this is, the spirit of of Antichrist is the spirit of lawlessness, and that spirit is a spirit that is in rebellion to God. In fact, the Bible teaches that the spirit of the Antichrist will increase in the last days, but will be restrained by God's Holy Spirit, who lives in each Christian. In other words, because we're present in this world, we Christians who are born again by the power of Christ, we believe and confess that he is the Son of God who died and was resurrected from the dead. We accept him as our personal Savior, those people, you people, me, you, all of us who have. God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. When God's people are caught up to be with him, the spirit that restrains will be absent. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. From the world, the power, the full power of the Antichrist will be released. It's called the Great Tribulation. But now we see this conditioning that's going on in our world. God's Holy Spirit dwelling in his people is restraining the force of the culture today. This systematic removal of God and his word from our culture increases the violence. It increases these kinds of activities. A culture that was created on the foundations of Judeo-Christian values and principles has lessened the restraint. Founding Father John Adams said, he said a lot more, but I don't have time to quote it all. But he said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So the culture is being conditioned to accept the full agenda of the Antichrist himself, which will come after Christ returns. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, John says, and that's what's happening today. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. He began his career by wanting to change places with God. That didn't work out for him, so he's going to energize this man of sin, according to biblical teaching, the Antichrist. He'll be a counterfeit Christ, and we are being conditioned 
The world is for that. But we must remain in the culture because we are light and salt and we are with the Holy Spirit within us, the restraint. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.